Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, broadcasting live every Thursday, 6 to 8 p.m. Central, from Panama City Beach, Florida, home of the world's most beautiful beaches. I want to take this opportunity to thank everyone for joining me on my weekly broadcast. Every week, I'll feature some of the best instructors, coaches, authors, and entrepreneurs in the golf business today. I begin with a great discussion on Coach's Corner, followed by an insightful interview with my special guest. So let's get started by introducing tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, good evening, everybody, and a quick program note. Uh, I forgot to play the opposite intro, just to remind everybody. Um, Coach's Corner actually will not officially begin until March the 5th, so uh, the e- this evening's intro was a little bit of a uh, misnomer, if you will, so my apologies, I hit the wrong uh, uh, key on this, but uh, nevertheless. So uh, thank you very much, everybody, for joining me live here tonight on Golf Talk Live. I'm always looking forward, as I was just mentioning to my, my guest off air and uh, mentioned to all of you last week, uh, this is the beginning of my eighth season doing Golf Talk Live, and we're going strong and continuing to, to grow and, and blossom, if you will, each and every season here on air. So I'm very, very excited. Uh, and as I mentioned, Coach's Corner will begin on March the 5th. So you want to make sure you stick around for that. Uh, I think you're really going to enjoy uh, some of the panel discussions we're going to have this year. I'm going to introduce my guest in just a, a moment. But uh, let me uh, just say this, that uh, Golf Talk Live is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. Uh, iGolf Sports Network is a live stream broadcast and media production company Uh, providing top-quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. Uh, So I want you to stay tuned for that. It's not officially launched yet. It will be coming uh, late spring this year. This is a new project that I've been working on. I'm very, very excited about it. And uh, keep listening each week because I'll be unpacking a few more things as we go along. But there's some great uh, individuals that are going to be participating in the iGolf Sports Network. Uh, It's going to be a very, very interesting and, and sort of a new concept, if you will, uh, to what's uh, currently out there in the golf business. So I hope you'll stay tuned for that. As I mentioned, uh, in the meantime, I'm very, very excited tonight to be joined by, uh, once again, by my special guest, Tom Patry. Uh, he's the founder and owner of TP Golf Services. Uh, and he's one of golf, uh, golf Magazine's top 100 teachers in America and among Golf Tips Magazine top 25 instructors in America. He's also been a leading voice in golf instruction for more than 30 years. Uh, he's taught at every level of the game, coaching more than 100 PGA, LPGA Tour, and PGA Club professionals, and literally hundreds of top juniors and amateurs. Uh, they've taken Tom around the world, uh, first as a distinguished player and now as one of golf's most knowledgeable and decorative teachers. Uh, he is now currently residing in Naples, Florida, with his wife, Denise, and son, uh, Palmer Jackson, and as I mentioned, is the founder and owner of TP Golf Services. So please welcome my very special guest, Tom Patry. Tom, good evening. Ted, how are you, sir? It's so great to be with you. And uh, eight years, pal, you're moving this thing right along. It's awesome. And congratulations on that. Well, I appreciate it. And, you know, it's been a lot of hard work, and uh, I, I couldn't have done it without uh, great individuals like yourself that have, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, that have been so giving of your time and coming on the show. And I really, really appreciate it. So uh, thank you, my friend, and God bless uh, for all that you do. And thank you for sharing. Uh, your knowledge once again with my audience. So, so let's get started. So, so interesting note, and I've mentioned this to a couple of people here recently. 
you know, I've been doing this show for, for quite a number of years. I also do uh, Tuesday mornings. I do the Women of Golf show with my good friend, LPGA professional Cindy Miller. And uh, we had a discussion last season, late last season. We've actually talked about it before, um, where I actually didn't meet or had not met uh, probably most of or the majority of my guests. And actually, Cindy and I had not met until this year's PGA show. And coincidentally, uh, my good friend Tom Patry, who is on the show tonight, uh, we met face-to-face for the first time this year. So, Tom, I hope I didn't scare you too much at the show. No, I, I felt like I was being stalked, Teddy. So I was all I was all frightened uh, and, and almost ran away. But then I realized it was you, so it was okay. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Uh, it was an honor. You know, it, it's interesting because, you know, with technology, Tom nowadays, you know, we see uh, the ability. And, and, it, and in one way, it's a positive thing, but in other ways, it can be a little bit of a negative. But we get used to talking to everybody so much on the phone and through social networks, uh, and we don't always get to have that interpersonal. Uh, sort of relationship. So it, it's really, and I say this sincerely, it's an honor uh, really to have met you face to face and, and you're uh, just as wonderful in person as you, uh, as you uh, have your persona on, it, on air and on uh, social media. So you're just a, 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 an asset, if you will, to golf industry and just humanity in general. So I, I appreciate that and I, I'm truly honored to have uh, met you face to face and I hope we'll uh, have those opportunities again down the road. So uh, I want to start off... Uh, you know, since I, I mentioned it, uh, again, we met at the PGA show this a uh, couple of weeks ago now, and uh, you had a chance. I know you may not have, you probably had things going on, but may not have had a chance to really walk through everywhere, um, but some of the uh, booths and, and some of the areas in the show that you did walk through, was there anything that you had a chance to really take a good look at? Anything kind of stand out for you at the show? You know, Teddy, the thing that really amazes me, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm very, very prejudiced in this, in this in that, uh, you know, I'm a member of the Titleist Leadership Advisory Board, and I've been with Titleist for a long time, and um, and, and not only just Titleist, but it's amazing how many companies, uh, both hard hard goods and soft goods, continue to improve their product. I mean, every year right. Titleist launches a new golf, golf ball, it seems like, and, and, and how they make this ball better every time, I, I don't understand how they keep doing it, and, you know, I've become very, very friendly with Bob Vokey, and and the new SMAs mm-hmm. came out, and, and, that, and that wedge is just—I've uh, had it now for a couple of weeks. It's—it's, it's, you know, it's fabulous. And and you know, I walk through a lot of the technical side, you know, whether it's a video company or a, or TrackMan or or any of these, you know, you know, technologies that we use now in teaching. Yeah, if you if you told us you and I 15 years ago in the industry that we'd have a a little orange box in the ground that, you know, one second after the ball was in flight, could give us 27 data points instantly and accurately, right. you know, you would have, you would have laughed at that. Uh, it's, it's amazing <laughs> where golf has, has come from and where it's gone to and where it's going to. Um, I, I feel a little bit like a dinosaur sometimes, Ted, you know, I mean, uh, the industry has changed so much um, and, and the way it's taught has changed so much. Um, it, it, it's really, it's really mind boggling. Well, and well said. And, and you know, the, the thing, Tom, and you and I have talked about this. In fact, uh, as we mentioned again off air, um, you know, you were on, the, on my show uh, several years back. You've been on actually pretty much, I think, every year since, uh, since I've uh, started the program. But I remember our first conversation. We talked about this very thing about technology. And I'm like you, uh, you know, I, I, I don't look at it so much as being a dinosaur as, you know, we stick with, with what's tried and true. I think that 
you know, when you understand okay. the fundamentals of golf, um, you know, if you look at some of the best players in the world, whether it be a Nicholas or a Palmer, a Trevino, what have you, the one thing that stood out was they all had good sound fundamentals. And they didn't have the, the benefit of much, you know, of this technology that we're seeing today, and yet they were champions in their own right. So I, I'm certainly a supporter of the technology, as I know you are, and I know you use some of it. Um, but at the same time, as we, we joked about a few moments ago uh, before going live, and I think you said this famously several years back, was, you know, you're relying as an instructor so much on the technology and not really getting to the roots of good teaching. You know, what do you do when the batteries die or the power goes out? You're, you're basically <laughs> stuck, correct? Right? You know, I, I, remember, I, I didn't remember saying that until you, you brought up me off air a little while ago, and I'm kind of laughing about it. But, yeah, I mean, I... I uh, you know I gave um, I'm trying to think I gave eight golf lessons today, and I used some form of technology in three of them, and I used no technology at all in five of them, and mm-hmm. I don't think anybody got uh, the short end of the stick in any of the five that I didn't use technology. I think I, they got five great golf lessons that was not yeah. uh, in any shape or form technology laden. Um, I use it, you know. I, I think one of the problems with technology today, Teddy, on the on the negative side is I think a lot of young teachers tend to overuse it a little bit. And Mr. Right. and Mrs. Smith, who's, who's our root, you know, who's our core golf lesson taker, um, mm-hmm. you know, just wants to, wants to have him hit a couple better shots, make a little bit better contact, you know, maybe keep the ball in line a little longer. Um, and, and they're not, they're going to be overwhelmed by track man numbers. They're going to be overwhelmed by too much video. So, Sometimes it's, yep. I think it's a little bit better at times to underwhelm them than to overwhelm them uh, when you're teaching. And I think you've got to know who's in front of you and how much mm-hmm. they can absorb in an hour's time. And you've got to be very, very cautious with how much information you give to them in that hour and what they can handle. Yeah, and that's a, that's a great point, Tom, because, you know, as, as you and I know, I think you want them wanting more. You know, you want them to feel the urge, if you will, to say, hey, you know what, uh, I'm excited about today's lesson. I'm going to get out and work on the things that, that Tom has, has you, know, uh, you know, taught me today. Um, and, but at the same time, I'm enthusiastic and eager uh, to see what's next. And I think you're, you're exactly right in your analogy. I think sometimes when we overwhelm them with numbers and, and stats and, and all these other things, and I'm not saying that some of that is not good in its proper context, but I think if they're overwhelmed with that, it gets to a point where they're no longer focused on the key areas that we need them to be focused on. They're sitting there thinking, okay, well, is my, is my body doing this? And, I'll, you know, the stats are telling me one thing, but something else is happening. And it just causes confusion. And I think this is why we've seen slump at times uh, in golf instruction is because the, the students just get overwhelmed. Would you agree? No, I agree. I, I definitely agree. I, I, one of the things I do with my, with my regular lesson takers, if, they, if they're a package – by a package of lessons from me or, their, or a season-long lesson taker, is I don't let anybody take more than one lesson every two weeks. Uh, right. I, I feel like if I tell them, listen, if somebody's trying to sell you a lesson a week, every week, you should run away because <laughs> they just want your checkbook. I think you need at least two weeks in between sessions to kind of digest the information, go through some trial and error, hit, hit some golf shots, take it to the golf course, test it a little bit. Right. And come back with some questions, you know, some some questions that are deep rooted because of repetitions and time you spend doing it. Um, so I'm, I, you know, my, I think my wife feels like she wish I'd sell more lessons every week, 
uh, or sell them every week. Um, I, I don't think that's the way you do business. I don't think that's the right thing to do from an instructional standpoint. So my, my normal pattern is once every two weeks, if not more. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I, again, I go back to the same thing I said before. I use technology when I think it's necessary to use it, and I use it in very small doses. And unless I've got a tour player or a very advanced amateur in front of me, I'm very careful with how much information I dispense in an hour. Yeah, and, and I think it, it's, you know, you, obviously you have to use judgment. And as a professional, you, you have to understand um, sort of the intricacies, if you will, of technology. And just for those instructors out there that maybe do use a lot of technology, don't think for a minute that Tom and I are trying to say, you know, hey, don't use it or, or don't uh, uh, have it in your, no, in your uh, rep. But make sure that you're, you're being diligent in your, your instruction because the, the problem is, and this is, I've heard this so many times. I mean, I'm the same as you, Tom. I, you know, when it's appropriate, obviously I like to video uh, many of my students, especially early on, because I want them to see what they're looking like. And then, you know, as we go down the, uh, the ladder or up the ladder, if you will, you know, then we'll, we'll review it and, and look at it and see where there are today. But one of the complaints that I've heard from uh, students that have come from, you know, other instruction, they'll say, well, one of the problems I had was the guy's head was in the monitor all the time. You know, he never really looked at me most of the time. He wasn't really, but, and that's true. You know that's true. You know, they're, they're looking at a the screen, they're looking at the monitor, and there's not a lot of, it's like, yeah, okay, hit it again, and, and, and it's just like there's not that. And, and you know what? People want to feel that there's a, a, a personal connection. You're selling yourself as an instructor, and I don't care how good you are. If the person doesn't feel that connection with you and they think that they're just a number, another number, and like you mo- mentioned a moment ago, Tom, if people are just – ramming lessons down your throat come every week or you know twice a week or whatever the case is they're not looking out for your best interest um in, in my no, opinion i don't i don't right, go ahead. Either, Ted. I, was, I was at a tour event not long ago and i was watching a session up close i was invited to watch a session of course and i won't mention the, the teacher's name or the player's name right. but the, the session was about two hours long and i'm not kidding i'm not exaggerating one bit the the, the coach never watched one golf ball that the player hit in yeah. two hours. He watched an iPad screen. He was barking out some numbers back and forth, never saw the ball fight. And listen, I, and I get the numbers are highly accurate, but I want to see the cadence of the golf swing. I want to see the physical action of the golf swing. I want to see the player's body language. I want to read the player's eyes a little bit and how they're reacting to different things. Never took this, this coach never took his eyes off the iPad screen that was attached to a track band for two hours. I thought that was mind-boggling to me. And and yeah. it was funny, later on, uh, the player's a friend of mine, and later on in the afternoon I was alone with him, and he, he asked me what I thought of the session, and I told him very frankly what I thought of the session. And, and I, right. I told him, I said, you know, I just, that's just not the way I would do things. I just, it, just, it was mind-boggling to me. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And, and, you know, I don't want to get on a soapbox and, and make it sound like we're, we're anti- uh, technology because we're not. Um, we certainly know it has a place. I know you know you use some technology. We'll talk about that here now. Um, you know you're familiar with obviously the the V1 video golf analysis software. You've been using it for years. Um, so obviously there is a place and time and a purpose for it. Tell us about how it helps you as an instructor. What does it do for you? What information is it giving you that's helping you to analyze that individual you're working with? And then how do you relay? Or what information do you relay to your students? 
I said I, I have uh, I, on my T every day. I have V1 on my T every day. I have I have a trackman on my T, and again I use it. I use it when I think it's necessary to use it. Um, in most first sessions, in a lot of first sessions, I'll take some video of the student from ball face on and down the line, and I may or may not, but often may also get some trackman members on 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 you know maybe a a mid iron uh, and a driver on the player and and kind of store that information and use it as I need it. Um, you know, when I when I take video of a, of a student, I usually I usually get the video. I bring the video up, and I usually frame it up to a particular area in the golf swing or one segment of the golf swing. And I usually will not let the player watch the entire swing because if I'm trying to make a particular point about some part of their golf swing or something that's going on in their golf swing, I don't want their untrained eyes to wander all over the place. I want them to stay on point. So a lot of times I will not let them watch the entire golf swing. I'll, want them watch, I'll let them watch the, sec- the section or the sector of the golf swing uh, that I'm trying to f- have them focus on. Um, so, and, I, and I, I'm very careful about that. And often when I send the video to them after the lesson, I might even trim the video down to that mm-hmm. one area. So when I, when I send it to them, they can't play the whole swing at home either. Uh, right. And, and I'll, right. Do my, I'll do my voiceover. Right. I'll do my voiceover on that segment. So I think you got to be very careful about that. I mean, um, they're, they're not they're not capable of self-diagnosing, although they all think they are. They're not experts in that area. Um, we are, um, and we and I think we've got to control the control the ship, if you will, so the ship doesn't get off course. Yeah, exactly. You know, you you've got to put them in an environment first and foremost that they're comfortable with. And again, as you suggested earlier, you know, you've got to really understand your students. Some some students like a little bit more of the numbers and that's okay. You can get into some numbers with them. But, you know, the idea is it's your um, you know, it's your ideas and it's your experience that's going to help that individual student. And no amount of technology that you can hook up to them or ha- stand behind them or, or attach in any way, shape, or form is going to do that for them. And the other key thing that you mentioned earlier as well is, you know, after they've been with you, you want them out there, you know, over the next couple of weeks before they come back again, working on some of the things that you've talked about in that session and maybe even in past sessions and really work on those things and test them out and, and you know, get comfortable with it because sometimes changes are, are needed to be made. And uh, it, it can take a, you know, a little bit. And if they're not willing to do that, a lot of times I'll send them away. If they come back two weeks' time, I'm the same as you. If they come back two weeks' time and they haven't been working on anything that we talked about the previous session, it's like, what's the point? You know, right. they're, they're not, I had, I had a, you know. I had a, yeah, I had a player this afternoon who uh, player came back to me two weeks after a session was back today. And um, good guy, really good guy. I like working with him, and, and, he, and he's made some great strides in the past. And I said to him, uh, I said to him, Bart, how much have you practiced between now and the last lesson? He goes, well, Tom, I was kind of busy. We had some people visiting in town. Uh, I didn't get out to play as much as I'd like to, and I, I didn't really get to the range at all. I said, so, Bart, you know, why don't we take this lesson and uh, why don't we reschedule it and push it back, right. up, you know, four or five days and, and mm-hmm. we'll get you a slot next week sometime so you have a chance to hit some balls and work on the last lesson. He goes, no, no, I really want to, hit, I really want to take this lesson today. I said, really, why, why is that, Bart? He goes, well, because I haven't hit balls in a while. I said, that's, well, that's exactly why I don't want to give you the lesson, because you know what, you haven't right. hit balls in a while. So, so right. you know, if, if you if you want to make a, you know, $200 donation to the Patrick family, say, that's 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 wonderful. I really appreciate that, but I, I don't feel comfortable taking 
this this, this right. part of your package for you without any real benefit. So I'd like I'd like you to go away and work on this for a while because I really want to take the lesson. I said, well, you're not going to take it. That's I'm sorry to hear. And, you know, you're going to, to reschedule it. Yeah, you know the, the the interesting thing about golf is some look at it as a volume business, and it is to a point, but it's got to be more quality than quantity. And you know you can sign somebody up for 25 lessons a season, uh, or whatever the case may be. But if they're not good quality lessons, then they're just a waste of their time and your time and their money. And you're right. If they want to make a you know a, a donation to the the Tom Patrick Fund, uh, you know by all means, uh, you know they're welcome to do that. But it's it's not uh, in their best interest. Um, so let, let's let's talk about. Um, you know, your favorite part of the game, if there is one uh, that you really enjoy teaching. I know you teach the last of the game, uh, but is there a particular area, whether it be, as an example, short game, bunker area, is there a particular area that you really enjoy the most to teach? You know, you know Kitty, I'm, I'm a, I'm a uh, the two things that I focus on a lot is, is one, short game, and two is is pre-shot routine and, and, and setup procedure, because I think that the, most of the the average, the average folks that come to us day to day, not the tour player, obviously, but uh, folks that come to us on, on on the recreational level, they never get set up correctly. And I, I'm a really big believer that you can trace every single swing hill back to the setup, whether it's a bad grip or a bad alignment or bad ball position, bad posture, bad spacing, you know, uh, aim and alignment, whatever you want to talk about. But you can trace mm-hmm. most most of the things that happen in the golf swing. I call it the effect back to a cause that was that was born, not maybe not festered, but born in the setup. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't know how you how you feel about this, but I I have very few people on the recreational side that come to me as first time students that put their hands on the club correctly. Uh, right. You know the left hand grip the left hand grips up in the palm somewhere. You know they got their right hand grip under the shaft in a very strong position. So the left hand is really weak, the right hand is really strong, and they wonder why they have trouble squaring the club face up on a regular basis. Uh, and that's just, right. that's just one example. But but I, I do a lot of I, I do a lot of pre-shot work. I, I talk to them about their launching pad being pristine. I want them to become a setup expert, if you will. Uh, I think if you become a setup expert, you know you, you really cut the learning curve down in the golf swing awfully awfully well. Um, and then. Back over the short game, I, I don't see very many people that understand how to hit shots or how to select the right shot around the greens, when to play certain shots, what clubs to use, when to use those clubs. I don't know anybody that reads the greens very well at, on the recreational level or takes enough time to read it, has a routine that allows them to read it correctly. Um, and then certainly, um, you know, the only the only good putters I've ever seen in my life are on CBS on Sunday afternoon. So. Uh, I think you can do an awful lot of good teaching people how to play the game from 50 yards and in. Yep, I agree. And just to, to sort of prove that point a little further, Tom, you know, uh, you and I obviously would be familiar with this, but uh, several years back, of course, a uh, very well-known um, uh, player of the game, Jack Nicholas, put out a video, uh, Golf My Way. Of course, it was on uh, VHS at the time. And, um, you know, he talked about... The, the main key thing, everybody, you know, thinks about, well, I, you know, I'm coming out of winter right now, and uh, for those that are up in the northeast, and, you know, in a few months we're going to be out in the golf course. And he said when he came out at the beginning of the season, the only thing that he worked on was the fundamentals. Every season he went out is he worked on 
because at that time, you know, when he was still out on tour regularly, um, they didn't really have a full year like they do now. Now they're pretty much playing 12 months a year, but back then they had a right. sort of an off season. And, uh, you know, he said he did a lot of other things. He played a little golf, but he didn't play as much golf. So for him, it was important to work on those core fundamentals, you know, grip, stance, posture, ball position, that sort of thing. And he did that at the beginning with his uh, coaches and that, that he worked with every season um, before he got out there and started playing on the PGA Tour. So, you know, if somebody who, who, who's won 18 major championships and a scat of other tournaments, if that's his regiment at the beginning of the season – then wouldn't it make sense that our recreational golfers might want to take a, a tip from that? Well, I, I think that that's well said. I mean, not only would they do that at the beginning of the season, they would do that every time they went to a went to the range for sure. a practice session. They, they, you know, they would try to refine and revise and and and, and purify their fundamentals. I mean, I mean, I think I think the amateur. I, I love when the amateur says to you and I, "Oh, I forgot you said that last time." Right. Well, then, you know, if you're not going to retain any of this information, how are you going to refine it and, and, and adapt it in, in a lasting way? So mm-hmm. um, I always ask people at the beginning of a lesson, my regular guys and gals at the beginning of a lesson, I said, please tell me what we talked about last time. And if yeah. I get that blank stare, I know we've got to go back and review things. I said, you know, I hate, that, I hate to charge you for the same lesson two weeks in a row, but that's, that's basically what's going on here. So we don't want to let that happen again. So I go back to V1 for a second. One of the things that's great about V1 is I, I construct and I build a video file for one of my students. And after each lesson, yeah. I send them the video with some drop-in or attached drills or information that I dispense during the lesson. I said, listen, you don't have to take any notes anymore. Everything is right here on this video I'm sending you. You know exactly what we talked about today. So please, each time you go to the practice tee, please pop this up on your iPhone or your iPad and and and, and just watch it before you go to the tee. I said I say to them all the time, Teddy. You know when I go to the practice tee myself, before I hit one golf shot, I say to myself, what's the one thing in this time I have today that I want to get better at? What's the one thing I want to get better at during my hour today? I have an hour to work on my game, which which I try to carve out sometime each and every day to hit a few balls, either at the beginning of my day or at the end of my day. But I always say yep. to myself, what's the one thing in these next 30 minutes that I want to get better at? And I, and I work on one thing for an extended period of time because I want to get better at that one thing. And I know that's all I can handle. <laughs> so if I can only handle one thing, you know, what the hell are they thinking? I mean, you know, let's, let's get this thing narrowed down so we get better at something every time we go to the sea. Well, and, and exactly right. Well said. You know, and the other thing, Tom, too, is, and, and, and there's really no excuse. I mean, you know, as I mentioned a moment ago, you know, for those of uh, the folks that are up in the Northeast and other parts, uh, you know, where they can't get outdoors right now, you cannot use that as an excuse because you can work on the fundamentals inside your own home. You don't have to be hitting a golf ball. You can work on your grip. You can sit there uh, or stand up if, you, you know, uh, if you've got a mirror Stand in front of the mirror and, and get into those positions and, and just visually get that and, and get some a little muscle memory going, if you will, so that when you get out on the golf course, you're not starting from scratch. And the other thing, too, which you mentioned earlier that I think 90% of our amateurs miss the boat is they do not have a pre-shot routine or what they do is so inconsistent. I mean, that's, that's the truth. Let's, I mean, and we're not here. Let, let me just back up a little bit. I don't want for the listeners um, – you know, for some of you amateurs out there, I don't want you to misunderstand what we're talking about and, you know, that we're trying to put you down. We want to help you. That's what we're here for. 
as instructors. But you've got to do your part as well. And we're helping develop a pre-shot routine, Tom. You know, by gosh, we want to make sure that you're putting the effort in to, to learn that and to get a pattern down so and, and repeat it. Don't just do it once and then do something different the next shot and then something different the next shot because you're never going to be a consistent golfer. Am, am I right on that? I think, I think you're right on. So, so let's look at it this way. If, if you and I sat down and we looked at the best players of the last 50 years, okay, we go back from, from today, 50 years back, and you and I started ranking what we think were world-class golf swings. Would Jack Nicklaus be in the top 10? Well, I don't think so. Would he be in the top 20? I don't think he'd be in the top 20. Would he be in the top no. 30? Probably not. So maybe he'd be in the top 50, but that, but he would. There might be 40 golf swings we look at in the last 50 years that we thought were better fundamentally than Jack Nicklaus. Sure. Why was he the greatest player? Why was he the greatest player of all time then? He had the greatest, most consistent, most repeatable pre-shot routine that he's in full yep. command of of any player that maybe ever walked the planet. So his mm-hmm. pre-shot routine, you know, was, was his, was his anchor, was his staple that kept him in a very steadfast place when, when the heat was on, not one of the best 40 golf swings of all time, but by, by God, maybe the best player of all time had the best pre-shot routine of all time. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we see that with some of the other champions out there as well. Um, you know, uh, even in, in the more modern game, you know, look at Tiger Woods, the same thing. You know, he's got the same anchor, if you will. And, and you know, just to prove your point a little bit further is, you know, if you were to take a look at, at some of the older golf swings, I mean, heck, who the heck wants to swing like Lee Trevino? But right. I, I wouldn't mind collecting some of the checks that he got along the way. Uh, you know, it wasn't the prettiest swing, but he, again, he developed a routine that was repeatable and yielded him success and he stuck with it and so did all the other. And that's why, you know, that's really the difference I think, uh, or part of the difference why you've got, uh, players like that. And then you've got the amateurs is because the amateurs are not willing to stick with it. You know, they think if I I get three buckets of balls and go out there and just beat the balls to death, I'm going to become better. Well, that's not true. Um, if you look at most tour players, especially today, they're not hitting a thousand balls anymore. They might have done it maybe 30 years ago. They're not doing it anymore today. They're working on their fundamentals. They're working on their routines. They're getting things down pat. And, um, you know, and obviously there are other components as well. But that's the problem. We see these, these range hounds, if you will, that get out there, Tom, and they're just hitting a bunch of balls. They're just raking one over, hitting another one, and they just keep doing it all day long, and then they wonder why they never get better. You know, you know Teddy, what's really amazing? You take a... You know, and I'm not, again, like you said, we're not trying to beat anybody up here, but you take Mr. and Mrs. Smith the range, and I've done this a million times, obviously, and I talk about pre-shot routine and the importance and why it's important, and, and I, do all, I do all my sales pitch on pre-shot, and I said, okay, let's, let's design a pre-shot routine that you're comfortable with, and we'll, we'll talk it over and what do you want to accomplish and how you're going to get into the shot, you know, how you're going to organize your time leading up to the shot. And we'll design something that, okay, so now here's what I want you to do. I want you to five times in a row just hit five golf shots for me, walking through your entire routine from start to finish, then pull the trigger. And, and I film it. And I play it back for them, the five of them, and none of the five are anything alike. They've skipped a step. They've missed a step. They, they haven't been in the same cadence. It didn't take the same length of time. They, you know, whatever it was. 
And I said to him, you can't, you, you can't even go through the same routine every time. So how are you going to make the same swing every time? Right. Right, exactly. You know, the other thing, Tom, is, you know, I, I've worked, as, as I know you have, I work with a lot of corporate types. And, you know, when I get them coming in and, you know, I, I can tell by, by watching them how they hit the ball and how they, they go through their routine um, that they're very unorganized. So I always approach it from this perspective and I say, you know, when you've got a task at work, what do you do? You prepare for it. How do you prepare for it? Well, I gather information. I assess that information. I put a, a, a plan together and then I execute the plan. I said, there's your pre-shot routine. I said, when you're doing your pre-shot routine, assessing, now obviously it's in a very short period of time, um, you know, you can't take all day to do it, but you're assessing the current situation. What's the wind like? What's the, the, you know, the distance that you need to hit that particular shot? And so on and so forth. There's different components to it. And as you develop a consistent routine, it will come very quickly to you. And that's what's important. And that's really what it is, is you're gathering information, you're preparing for that shot, not the next shot that's going to happen. You're preparing for that specific shot. And the problem is when you have an inconsistent routine like so many do, you, you're, you're not gathering information. You're not making valuable use of that time, and that's why you become inconsistent. It's not a matter of just because the club face is square, not square. That's a given. But it's because they're not properly preparing themselves for that shot. Teddy, I, I had a guy just, just this week who's a very, very successful business guy, owns four or five very big companies, uh, you know, all different types of products and, and services. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's, he's a super organized guy in his business in his business life. Well, he is a mess right. on the practice. He's just an absolute mess. He, you know, he's like an octopus falling out of a tree. And I said to myself, right. I said, we got we to get, get your routine down pat here. We got to get you organized. And... He, he just couldn't couldn't kind of wrap his hands and arms around this. I said, Bill, if you ran your go- if you ran your business like you run your golf game, you would have been bankrupt about 20 years ago. I said, right. you, you've got to get this thing you got to get this thing under control in terms of how you approach each and every golf shot. It's amazing that they can't do that to me. It's just amazing that they can't walk through, you know, a 10 or 12 second pre-shot routine, making the same actions, same movements every time to get themselves aimed the line, ball position, postured correctly in relation to a target line. You just can't do it. Well, and I think to answer that, Tom, I think part of the reason, and just to take, uh, Bill, your, your student as an example, in their corporate environment, they are comfortable. They have a confidence. But because they're not prolif- uh, proficient in their golf game, they're not comfortable, so they're now out of their comfort zone. You know, you know in the boardroom, they can, they can you know, uh, as questions come from, from board members, they can answer those questions, you know, with a snap of the finger. But when it comes to the golf game, because they're now out of their own comfort level, they don't know how to handle it. They don't know how to organize themselves, and that's where yeah, it but, becomes... But, but, but Teddy, here's why, here's, here's why I disagree, though, a little bit. They, they weren't a success in business on day one. They made errors on day one. And they learned yep. from those errors and realized they had to refine whatever they were doing to be more successful. So they went through a, they went through a transition or, or a morphosis, if you will, of becoming better at their skill, uh, whatever right. it happened to be. And I explained to them, listen, you, you're, you're, you're an infant in this game. You're at the beginning of your, of your, of your golf career. You've got, to do, you've got to look back on your business career and, and take your own advice and, 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 and learn from your own lessons in business. 
or you had to do things right. along the way to make yourself better. I said, you can't rush mm-hmm. through this, but you've got to wrap your hands and arms around this because this is important. And, and, and I guess, Teddy, too, in, in fairness to everybody we're talking to tonight, so, so many of them think, don't understand that the pre-shot routine, getting them into a fundamentally sound launching pad is the key to success in their golfing. They don't see that relationship necessarily. So I think it's important right. as coaches that we say to them, listen, the better we can get you into this process and into this condition we call setup with all fundamentals being fully complied with, the better the chance you have to be successful. Most of them don't see the relationship. No, you're, you're exactly right. And, and that's, you know, part of the challenge that we have as instructors is to help them understand um, the connection. And, uh, you know, that's, that's something that I think we will always have to uh, hurt. We will always, as instructors, have to overcome uh, with, with more and more students. Um, but hopefully uh, one student at a time, we will uh, get them down the right path. All right, Tom, I want to move on to uh, another area, and, and that's the modern game. Uh, Cindy and I talked about this actually uh, this past week on the Women of Golf show a little bit, but I want to get your thoughts. Um, with respect to the modern game, you know, uh, as we talked about earlier and you mentioned about Titleist coming up with some great equipment, um, but is, it, is there too much distance uh, emphasis on, on, and I'm talking about the recreation, forget the pros for a second, but recreational golfers, are they too obsessed with trying to get more distance and not enough on honing in on their shot making. And do we need 14 clubs in the bag anymore? Um, you know, where technology is getting to the point where, you know, uh, people are, are hitting less and less clubs because they can get further distance uh, with what they've got in the bag. So do we need 14 clubs? That's, that's a great, that's an interesting question. First of all, before we, before we miss this big point, do you, do you know, Ted, this, this past week was Cindy Miller's birthday? Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. You, you know that. Okay, good. we got to make sure we wish Cindy Miller a happy birthday. She was she was 29 last week, and I want to make sure we, we mentioned that. Okay, that's first. <laughs> yep. um, as far as distance is concerned, I mean, I think that, you know, it's an uphill battle because, listen, marketers and golf club companies sell distance. Distance is sexy. Distance is fun. Distance is powerful. Distance is great for the ego. So as teachers, we're, we're never going to win the battle of, listen, don't worry about your distance, just because they do worry about their distance. So it has to be. We, we, we can't kind of hide from that. that. That's the elephant in the room. But I think right. the, way they, the way they conceptualize distance is wrong. They don't understand that, you know, the number one thing, if you want to hit the ball further, the number one thing you have to do is hit the ball in the center of the club face. It's not... That's right. how long your backswing is or how fast your backswing or your downswing is or how fast you turn your hips. Those are all important things. Don't get me wrong. Not because they don't matter. But the first thing you've got to do is you've got to hit the ball in the center of the club face. And they don't, they don't really that's – that's not where their head is. Their head is how do I make the club go faster, how to make my body turn faster, how do I make a longer motion, how do I transfer my weight better. And I said, listen, can, can, you, hit, can you hit five wedge shots for me? And I'm, I'm even going to let you put it on a tee, and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to spray your face with some chalk, and let's see where you hit the five wedges on the tee, the shortest club in your bag, with the most loft on a tee, and let's just see five times where you hit. And and of course you know what happens. Then I hit five shots, sure. and there's five different places the ball is is contacted the club face. I said so. Let's right. talk about this first of all. You got the shortest club in the bag with the most loft. I put it on a tee for you. 
okay? Mm -hmm. And you couldn't hit the ball in the same location every time on the face. So maybe we need right. to address that first. Let's, let's, right. let's find out how we can make better contact quality and what's going on to prevent you from making better contact quality, what's going on to cause you to hit it in different locations on the face every time. So, um, you know, I think they have to understand that first. And then from there you can, you can build on that information and you can go different places, obviously. But I think they are obsessed with, with, with distance. So that's my first answer. My second answer about as far as 14 clubs are concerned, um, I would cry if you took some of the clubs out of my bag myself personally. But to answer your question about the recreational player, Mr. and Mrs. Smith could probably play golf just as well with five clubs as they do with 14. If you gave them a, some kind of modified driver, some kind of advancement club as far as a hybrid or, or a five wood, if you gave them a right. five iron, a seven iron, a pitching wedge, and a putter, they could probably play yep. about the same kind of golf they're playing right now. But you try to tell Mr. and Mr. Smith that they shouldn't have a full set of clubs. I'll let you break the news from Ted because I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But, you know, you, you raise a very interesting point, though, Tom. You know, in the first part, you talk about really making good center contact. And what people don't realize is one of the secrets to getting distance is making good center contact. Because as you're, you're, you pointed out in your in your test, you know, they're hitting five different areas of the golf club. So... You know, they might make good center contact once and get some good distance out of it, but then they're hitting it off the toe the next time or closer to the heel the next time, and the ball's not going very far uh, or as far, and they don't understand that. They think, well, I hit the club. I hit it on the club face, or I hit the ball on the club face, but they don't realize right. that where they're hitting it is not, is not getting beneficial. to that sweet spot. Right, it's not beneficial. And, and you'd be surprised, even with today's technology, um, I mean, I've, I've seen guys that have pulled out, uh, you know, some old, old equipment, Tom. They know how to play this game. And I've seen them oh, yeah. stripe, you know, an old TaylorMade or an old Titleist or what have you, whatever brand you want to throw out there, driver from 20 years ago that still works in their garage. I've seen them knock the living you-know-what out of it. And yet I've seen other guys with some of the latest and greatest equipment out there can't hit it worth being. So... You know, you know, right, go ahead. You know, say I've got a, I've got in my office right, right on the other side of the house right here, I've got the driver that I won the 1981 NCAA Division II National Championship. It's a Tony Pena. Uh, you, you, Teddy, how old are you? Uh, be 56 next month. Okay, so we're in the same, we're in the same, in the same ballpark. So I, when I won 81, the 81 NCAA, I, I had this driver inside the house. It's an old persimmon Tony Pena. If you set it down on the ground, it looks like a pea shooter. Uh, yep. In the comparison to today's drivers, the head is so tiny. And I take it out yep. once a year and I hit some balls with it. You know, I will scroll down memory lane. I'll hit some balls with it like once a year. And I can hit it, you know, it's almost as far as I can hit my new modern equipment, only because I can hit it in the center of the club face. As small right, as the exactly. head is, I can find center face contact. So consequently, you know, a golf club is a golf club, in, 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 you know, within, 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 within certain parameters. But if I put a Pro V1 on the ground and tee it up and hit it in the center of that face, I, I hit it, you know, within 15 yards of the modern equipment, you know, today. Now, it's a, it's a heavy steel shaft. It's a persimmon head. So it's obviously yep. technology doesn't prevent it from being maxed out by today's standards. But the point of the, sto the, point of the story is if you hit it in the center of the face, the ball will go a long ways. Yeah, that's exactly right. 
And and you know I I remember watching some old footage of you know Arnold Palmer and and Nicholas uh, and I don't recall the tournament but it, this is I mean it was black and white so it gives you an idea it goes back a few years and they were talking about the yardage the announcers were talking about the yardage that they were hitting and of course they were using persimmon woods at the time and you know Arnie both Arnie and Jack were hitting it you know 275 plus. And that's back uh, at least those those uh, videos that I was watching were at least 30 years old, so if not longer. So it just goes to show you these guys know how to use the equipment. They're able to belt it out there. Now, sure, they're not going to get 300 yards or more like some of the guys are today, um, but you've got other factors involved. But um, I don't know too many guys out there, too many amateurs that wouldn't be happy to hit 275. Uh, I know most of them would be happy to even hit 250. So, you know, Learn how to use the equipment before you go out and spend four or five, six hundred dollars on a new driver, or you know, uh, six, seven, eight hundred dollars on a brand new set of irons, um, if you don't know how to use them properly, because you're just wasting your money. Because you can't buy. Well, Cindy jokes all the time, right? Cindy, Cindy Miller jokes all the time. In fact, she said it last week, uh, earlier this week rather. She said, you know, she's been trying to buy yardage for years. So, you know, you can't buy yardage. You got to get out there and do the work. So, but, all right. So, Tom, I, I, I want to end. I, I, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Good, Teddy. Go right ahead. What I was going to say to you is another area, just very quickly, I want to talk about is, you know, really one of the fastest growing areas in golf, and that is young girls. Uh, we're seeing a big surge. Uh, I'm sure you've probably noticed it as well. Um, sure. Uh, sure. Coming in the game. In fact, according to the some of the stats from the National Golf Foundation, uh, it's anywhere. It's been reported in the last few years anywhere from 30, uh, as much as 35% of all new golfers getting into the business are coming uh, through that market. Young female golfers, anywhere from 13 onwards up to uh, 30, um, is the biggest percentage of new golfers. The problem is, Tom, that for as many that are getting into the game, there's probably close to that, maybe even more that are getting out of the game for a variety of different reasons. So we're getting these young girls now interested in playing golf. They're seeing these young guns coming out, not only at the LPGA, but the starters coming out on the Symmetra Tour and all of these other uh, young ladies that are just phenomenal players. Um, so they're, they're getting excited. What do you think we need to do as an industry to keep them going? And then how do we flip them? Because obviously we know they're not all going to make it out there on tour how do we get some of them excited and interested and maybe on the teaching side of things? Well, first of all, I think, I think we got to say congratulations to Augusta national for what they've done with that women's amateur event right before the master. That was a, I think that was from a, from a politically correct standpoint and from a positive exposure standpoint to the women's game, it was a huge, huge, um, you know, positive windfall for women's golf allowing that event to happen at Augusta and, and promoting it in the way that they did. So, so kudos for that. Things like drive, chip, and putt, um, which are both, both you know, welcome both genders, uh, is a wonderful thing as well. Uh, all the work right. in the first team. You know, we've, we've got so many vehicles now, you know, PJ Team Golf, uh, a lot of great vehicles. But on the women's side specifically, Teddy, we, you know, we, I think at a lot of clubs we, we don't make or we don't realize – how male gender based the environment is and how right. non non female friendly the environment is and and you know and it's funny a lot of women in Naples um will not come to me because they think that
resume, they're not good enough for my resume, which I think is the most ludicrous thing in the whole world. They, you, Tom's got, Tom's a top hundred teacher of Tom, you know, Tom won teacher of the year, whatever. He doesn't want to work with me. He doesn't want to work with any females, which is, which is absolutely not true, but that's their perception. So we have to do things. We have to do a lot of things. We have to be hypersensitive to that as, as male teachers to make that environment more welcoming, make it more friendly, um, we have to, you know, allow them to embrace the environment on, in their own terms. Um, I, I teach alongside a young lady named Gail Graham, one of your, one of your brethren from Canada, who is, uh, mm-hmm. who's recently been inducted into the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame. Gail is a very close friend of mine, and she's turned herself into a very good coach in the last couple of years. And uh, she's done a tremendous job with women at the club and, and getting into the game as new players and, and keeping them in the game. Um, and they don't see Gail as an intimidating figure, and some of them see me as an intimidating figure. And I, 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 I you know, maybe my perception is wrong, but I think I'm extremely female friendly in terms of my approach. I don't teach females the same exact way I teach males. I think I've got a little softer presentation there, uh, and I don't think I'm a pushover. But I think I'm, you know, and I'm not for everybody. I get that, but we've got to we got to be very sensitive as male instructors and running male-based clubs to make the environment more female-friendly because we, we want to welcome them to the game. We want to develop that segment of the game. We, 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 want, to, we want to embrace them as players in the game. We want to, we want to use them to help us grow the game um, and, and right. develop more good female players. So we, we, have to be, we have to be very sensitive to that. Yeah, and, and you're right. And, and, you know, one of the other uh, points that I want to make as well on, on that uh, thought – is I think part of the reason, Tom, that, you know, from talking to women not only uh, outside of golf but in golf as well, I think one of the differences between men and women is most women, particularly new golfers coming in, um, their number one fear is they don't want to make a fool of themselves. So when they see somebody like Tom Patry, who's a, 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 a very well-accomplished instructor with you know, more accolades than, than you could hang around your neck, they look at you as a, an intimidating factor. Like, well, this no, guy, no you know, he's, no he's way out of my league. Um, but the opposite should be true. This is the guy I want to go to. This is a guy that's seasoned. He's, he knows the game inside and out. He's worked with top professionals. Um, and the reason he wants to work with you is he wants to give you those same uh, seeds of knowledge that he's, uh, you know, gotten over the years. And I, I understand also from the other side of the coin is they're more comfortable I think initially until they get more comfortable around the game working with a female instructor and I think that goes to my second point um, in the question was you know what do we do to get more young girls I mean it's great we want to get them out on tours but as you and I know male or female that's a very small percentage that gets out on tour Um, but there are many many opportunities um, uh, and not just teaching at a club but in other factions as well uh, to getting on the teaching side and, and doing something to uh, to service the game that way. So what do we need to do there, do you think? Well, you know, we, 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 we've done a really good job, uh, and, and Tiger did this, and Freddie Couples did this, and Arnold Palmer did this, in making the game really attractive uh, to guys. Um, I don't, you know, I... I wish the Annika Sorenstams of the world and the Lorena Cho's of the world, even though they're retired, and in today's world, the Lexi Thompson's of the world, uh, you know, and I, I can go on and on with names, but 
you know. Right. And I know the LPG has done some great things, but I think they need to be more media visible saying to young girls, more media, I mean more TV, more social media, you know, more radio, any any medium you can think of, we want you to come be part of this game. You know, we, we want you to embrace the game. We want to, and we we got to have more outlets for girls. Uh, you know, I mean, I almost wish there was a, a first tea type product project that was only female based in every town in America and in Canada mm-hmm. as well. Um, yep. You know, I, and, I'm, and I'm not knocking first tea, and I think first tea is a wonderful thing, but I wish there was a a and, and I'm not I'm not trying to leave the guys behind on this thing either, but I think I, I oh. wish there was a a girls outlet in every little small town in America where they could come and feel comfortable with some other young girls and be introduced to the game in a non-intrusive environment and grow them into good players and some segment of them would continue into the professional ranks, some into the college ranks, and some into corporate America. Um, And I think we need even corporate women, Um, a woman like Condoleezza Rice who's done some great things, you know, Mm -hmm. speak to the young young females in America and in Canada uh, and, and all of North America and say to them, listen, you're, you're welcome here. We, we, you know, I need. I think we need some public service announcements that say those things to young girls. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. And I think something else too, uh, and and this is coming from some of the young ladies that that Cindy and I have interviewed off of the semester tour. We've had the pleasure for the last several years of of interviewing the winners uh, each week. And one of the things that that really resonated with some of these young girls was that they needed to be approached very early on uh, in their, in their, um, you know, their development as young girls. And, and I mean that from the sense that you need to expose them at a very, very early age because, and it happens with a lot of people, but when you start introducing them, once they start hitting their teenage or slightly after years, the battle is very difficult to get started unless they've got golf in their family. Um, because, They've already, and it's the same with the guys, but it's even more prevalent, I think, with the young ladies, is they've already started to develop their social patterns with other activities and things like that. So we need to start getting them. Yeah, we need to start getting them at a younger age, you know, like four, you know, three, four, five years old, and introduce them even at a very elementary level to the game of golf so that by the time they get to their teenage years, they're interested. We're saying the same thing, Teddy. I think you need a yeah. they need a female friendly project on the on the in the grassroots level at a young age, and you need it needs to be female based uh, interaction um, to make them feel comfortable. Yep, I I agree wholeheartedly. Well, Tom, I, I want to take this last uh, little bit of our our time together uh, to let you talk a little bit about TP uh, Golf. Uh, I know that uh, this is something that you've uh, been uh, very proud of for many, many years. You've got not only the teaching component, but you've got some other things. What's new and exciting? What's what's happening in 2020? I know last time you were on, you talked about some uh, travel opportunities. You put some packages together. Uh, give us an update on, on what's happening at TP Golf. Yeah, Ted, I'm, you know, as we, as we wind through this winter, which is awful busy in Naples, Florida, I'm sure you're the same way in the panhandle. Um, we're looking yeah. forward to it, you know, our summer plans and, it looks like we'll be doing some some golf schools at Saratoga National in Saratoga, New York. Uh, we're looking at a location on the east end of Long Island for the summer as well. 
And then, um, you know, I'm hoping to do some guest schools with, with fellow professionals at their clubs as special events for their members, you know. Maybe I can even make a, a trip to Canada and see my friend Ted in Canada and do a guest school with some of his folks. But uh, we're going to be on the road this summer, and we're going to be available in a lot of different locations. Um, there'll be some postings on my website, and uh, I'll send out my newsletter as I do. If, you, if, you, if, you, if you're out there listening and you want to get the newsletter, it's free. You can go to my website and sign up for that. Um, you can find me on social media, obviously, at, uh, at both, you know, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and all those places, and send me messages if you, if you need any information. But uh, we're, we're shaping this. Summer's going to be very, very busy, and we'll probably be on the road from probably, I would think, somewhere around June 1 till uh, almost October 15th in a variety of locations. Okay, good, good. Now, what about uh, are you doing any packages this year? I know you had some. Uh, you had something I think uh, last year at the Masters. Uh, you talked about putting some groups together, and then I, I know you were doing I'm something. Not, if I'm not mistaken, go ahead. I'm actually Teddy. I'm actually with the, uh, just just answering an email before we are on the air today. With, with one travel component, and we're looking at uh, the possibility of doing a Scotland trip sometime okay, in good. September. So with that, that if we get that organized, I hope we do. Fingers crossed. Hope we do. It'll be you know you know maybe ten to fifteen people maximum, and I would go with right. them. And uh, it, you know we're, we're trying to design that right now. So fingers crossed. Hopefully that will work out. Perfect. Well, like like always, Tom, you've got your hands full uh, with a lot of teaching and a lot of traveling and and just you know doing so many great things to help grow this game and. And uh, as I said at the beginning, you're a great asset, not only as a, a professional in the golf business, uh, but outside of golf as well. Uh, you're a great human being, and, and um, I know that uh, you know, you're always going to continue to bring your best, and um, you've always got some, some very interesting discussion uh, here on the program, so I'm very honored to have you here. And as I said to you off air before, uh, feel free to reach out anytime, Tom, if you've got something to share with the listeners and you want to come on, even if it's just for a few moments, uh, you know, as your schedule permits, uh, I'm always happy to accommodate you. But, Tom, thank you very much for, for coming on. And very quickly before we go, uh, let the folks know if they want to reach out to you, uh, what's your website and what's the best way to contact you. And they can get me at uh, www.tompatry.com, and uh, on that site is all my direct contact information and People can feel free to text me or email me or send me a message of any kind. I'm happy to respond to them with any of their questions or needs. And, and, and truth be told, you, you know, guests on your show, uh, you're so you're so humble and, and grateful for us to be on. But we should be thanking you because it's people like you who uh, who fill the airways in these podcasts, get information out to people, and, uh, and keep the game alive and growing all the time. So thank you, Teddy. Thank you for having me on. And Anytime you want me on, you just drop me an email, and I'll be glad to do it with you. Well, I appreciate that very much, and uh, don't be surprised. You might get one sooner than you think, so <laughs> I might take you, you up on that. Send one along, pal. Send one along. I, I'm, I'm always grateful to have you on. Tom, thank you very much, and uh, again, go to TomPatry.com to get all of his contact information. Uh, lots of great stuff there, and don't forget to sign up for his uh, newsletter. It is a good one. I've signed up for it. I gave it. Uh, I get one all the time, and he's always got some great information. Even me as an instructor, I always learn something from them. So make sure you do that. Tom, thank you very much. God bless, my friend. Have a great season, and I look forward to having you come back again on the show. Teddy, God bless. Go Canada. All right, thank you. All right, take care, Tom. Bye-bye. Bye, pal. 
All right, that was my very special guest, Tom Patry. Uh, again, go to tompatry.com as his website. All of his, uh, as he said, all of his contact information uh, is on there. One of uh, Golf Magazine's top 100 teachers and uh, uh, Golf Tips Magazine top 25 instructor in America. So he's been around for a long time, uh, 30 plus years teaching this game. Uh, resides down in Naples, but as he mentioned here a few moments ago, he's going to be uh, doing some traveling this summer from June till about the middle of October. Uh, so uh, reach out to him if you're uh, wanting to know if he's going to be in your area, uh, whether you're a professional or not, uh, he might uh, head your way. So uh, get in touch with Tom. He's a great guy and, and always a, a favorite here on the show. All right, as I mentioned uh, last week, and I will remind you again today, uh, we are doing, as or I'm doing rather, uh, what I call Golf Talk Live Light uh, for the month of February. Uh, so it's a shorter program. Uh, beginning in March, when I get into the full swing, uh, pardon the pun, uh, I will be, uh, of course, adding the Coach's Corner segment, which will begin on March the 5th. So March 5th will be the launch, uh, if you will, of the full Golf Talk Live show, and uh, it'll be a full two-hour broadcast. And then, of course, the second half of the show, after the Coach's Corner panel uh, discussion, will be uh, my interview, as I did tonight uh, with my special guest. So uh, March 5th will be that uh, official date uh, for the full live broadcast. Uh, but in the meantime, I hope you enjoy a, a couple of more weeks of some uh, great interview guests, and I look forward to uh, my upcoming guests here before we get into the full swing of things on the season. And don't forget to go to uh, blogtalkradio.com, and uh, you can type in either Golf Talk Live every Thursday night uh, from 6 to 8 p.m. Central, uh, or you can type in Women of Golf, which is my Tuesday morning show with my good friend LPJ. Uh, professional Cindy Miller. Uh, we host that show together, and that airs, uh, again, on the blogtalkradio.com network every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So uh, check out both great programs, lots of other great ways to tune in as well, and you will hear about those in just a moment. But in the meantime, thank you, everybody. God bless, and I will see you next time here on Golf Talk Live. Thanks for listening to this evening's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. Remember to tune in each week at blogtalkradio.com forward slash golftalklive. If you can't join us live, check out the on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts. Or listen on any of the following social media platforms. iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. To get updates on future shows and upcoming guests, be sure to visit the show's Facebook page, Golf Talk Live Blog. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO. Remember to join me live each week for another great broadcast of Golf Talk Live. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.